Our scripture reading today is taken from, from Psalm 119, verse 1 through 8. So if you have your Bibles with you, or you can look in your bulletins, or to the screen to the, to the right of me. And our message today is entitled, Blessed are those who walk in the word. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes and do not utterly forsake me. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today on this rainy morning. Hopefully, as you get older, you feel your bones a little bit more. But I hope that in the midst of this coldness that you, you feel more alive. <laughs> that you know that you are a living, breathing being made in God's image. Uh, that you know that you need warmth. That you need good hot coffee. And that the Lord is showing you that life is precious. Every single person here has been made in God's image. Every single person here has a purpose in his kingdom. And it's when we find our purpose, well, that's where we find joy, to know who we are, what we're made for. And God says to us, the, the, the reason why we were made was to worship him, that there is a creator who made us. And it's as we worship him and serve him that that's where we find our purpose. Now, our faith is not a faith where we depart from this world and let the world do what it may. Our, our faith is included in this world. We're here to love people. We're here to do good. And in the end, we're here to show people that in knowing Christ, that all this puzzle of the world starts to make sense. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we have um, Kohelet, um, that's the Hebrew word for, for, for Ecclesiastes, or, or sorry, it's the Hebrew word for the name of this book. Uh, it means sort of like professor. But, but Kohelet says in the very beginning, vanity of vanities, everything is vain. That anything under the sun, it just doesn't make sense. He was a skeptic. He was someone who, who searched out um, wisdom. He's one who probably read many, many books and his conclusion was very interesting, is that if God hasn't spoken, if reality is simply what we can see and hear, taste and touch, if we're simply left to our rationality and to ourselves to make sense of this world, then everything is vain. Working is vain. Why do you work? Some of you guys already know that. <laughs> Even pleasure, pleasure is vain. Why? Because no matter how much pleasure you have, you, you want more and it never satisfies. Um, our brother Jonathan said he went uh, skydiving yesterday 
And he was telling me about the, the instructors that they live in tents just so they can skydive over and over again. They were addicted to the, the adrenaline that you get, but it never gets satisfied. Even our studies, if you're a student, you know this already, that no matter how much information you glean, you realize it's, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg. When you first went to college, some of you might have thought, this is it. Once I get to college, I'm going to really learn and, and, and understand how this world works. And then you get to your college and you realize they don't know either. And then you start thinking, maybe once I graduate and, and, and go to work and get, maybe get married and have kids, that's where everything will make sense. And you arrive there, you go, it still doesn't make sense. And this is what Kohelet is saying. That if all reality is simply what we phenomenologically can see, hear, taste, and touch, then it's simply a rabbit hole. We can try to make life meaningful. But if you press us to the wall and say, why, 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 there's no answer. Here in our passage today, God gives us an answer. God has told us through his word that he's actually spoken that he has actually breached this world and has showed us that there is a reality that is greater than simply the totality of human experience. And that reality is that God himself has come down and has revealed himself to us and explained to us who we are, why we suffer, why we long for love. And he shows us the path to find it and to enjoy it, and to live for his glory and to live that life of fullness that he has promised. Here in Psalm 119, this is a poem that the psalmist has written about the word of God. Think about that. Someone is writing an ode, basically, to the word of God. Now, I know some of you probably have written poetry in the past, right? Some of you tried. Yeah, I, think, I think it was Plato who said this. Someone, I, I still can't find the author of this quote, but it's a tribute to Plato that says that, uh, that, that every man becomes a poet once they fall in love. They try to write poetry. But here is a writer writing poetry about a Bible, about Scripture. And he does it in such a way that he has all these sections for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you, have your, if you have a Bible, you'll see that will say Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zion, so forth and so forth. And what the writer does, he takes the first letter of the alphabet. Let's just say in English it's A. And he just writes lines. Each line starts with the letter A. 
Then he writes his next stanza on each section, starts the letter B. It goes all the way down to Z. And so what he's trying to tell us, not only in his content, but in his form, is that my love for God's word is complete from A to Z. And not only that, but the word of God is complete from A to Z. And so here's a man who's utterly in love with God's word because he understands that God's word gives him life. Now, before we head on to the passage here, I want to talk a little bit about God's word itself. We believe here at this church that God's word is God's word. It's infallible. That everything here has been given to us to understand who he is, to understand who we are. That the culmination of this book is about a man named Jesus Christ and what he has come to do to save those in their sin. And sometimes I get in trouble. Well, not just say in trouble, but sometimes I get into conversations with people and they'll say, how do you know this is the word of God? How do you know that this is the authoritative interpretation of all the world? How do you know that? Show me and prove to me that this is God's word. And my response to that is, I can't. And then they look at me and say, then how can I believe? And I say, very lovingly, um, you already do believe. Like, no, I don't believe your Bible is the word of God. I go, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, you already have faith in something. And through it, that's how you live. Oh, what do you mean? Well, for most of you living in the scientific world, your faith may be in logic. Show me the rational meaning for everything. And once I have that rational meaning for it, then I'll take it. Prove to me, using rational principles, that this is the word of God, and I'll believe. And the response to that is simple. It's, it's, listen, don't you see that your rational principles are already your presuppositions? It's the criteria that you are measuring. But let me ask you this question. Prove to me that the rational criteria is authoritative without using rationality. You were asking to prove the Bible is authoritative without using the Bible. I can't do that. But neither can you prove rationality is rational without using rationality. It's a presupposition. It's a theorem that we all use. Some of us are more consistent than others. Most of us simply live by the culture that we live in. Why is it in our culture today that we esteem education so much? Why is it in this culture we esteem human rights so much? Why is it in this culture we esteem food so much? And a lot of it is we assume from the culture around us. But if we start to deconstruct everything, we come back to Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. 
the reason why the word of God is the word of God is because I believe the word of God describes the reality that we have today more perfectly than any other worldview there is. We also believe that the Holy Spirit shows us and reveals to us the truth of these scriptures. That these scriptures aren't simply a guideline, but they're the very words of God. In order to teach us, rebuke us, and encourage God's people. And so as we go through Psalm 119, we're not here looking or expositing on just some good words that will inspire us. But we're looking at God's word, God's word itself. We are hearing the voice of God. And it's incumbent upon us as God's people to take seriously the words that he has spoken. Psalm 119 starts beautifully. Blessed is those whose way is blameless. Sorry, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. The first thing that we see here in the beginning of Psalm 119 is the same thing that we see in the beginning of Psalm 1, is that there is a blessing. There is a blessing in remaining in God's word. There's a blessing in keeping his testimonies. There's a blessing in listening to his precepts. There's a blessing in listening to his statutes. There's a blessing in following him. You see, God wants you to know that the commands that he gives you are not simply rules and regulations to keep you in line. This is how we usually live. There are rules and regulations to keep us in line. The world, the government gives us laws, federal laws, state laws. Our, 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 our corporations, our schools gives us um, statutes of what to follow to keep us in line. But here in our scriptures, what God is trying to show us is that the blessing that he gives us um, is a blessing more than simply that, but the blessing is his presence in our lives. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. You have commanded your precepts. Oh, that my way may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, that I shall not be put to shame, having eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. The God's blessing to us, as we learned from, la from last week, if you remember, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you from Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing. That the blessing is not simply the blessing of physical wealth, physical health, or even if in this world, mental health. But the blessing that God gives us is his presence in our lives. That he walks with us that he enjoys being with us. 
And for us as God's people, we must seek more than simply being good obeyers of the law, but we must seek his presence and being blessed by his presence. So I ask you, my Christians, my Christian brothers and sisters here, do we believe that God's word reveals God to us? Do we believe that in so doing, we are blessed with his presence in our lives? And that that presence in our lives is what sustains us. That's what gives us joy. You know, in the, in the New Testament, when God is talking about blessings to his people, he always talks about blessed are those who suffer for my name's sake. Blessed are those who are going through suffering. And you look at those and you go, why? Because that suffering turns you to the Lord, turns you to his word, turns you to his presence. And there's nothing greater in our lives than being in his presence. Show me a person who has almost died. Show me a person who has seen death. And I will show you a person who loves life. Show me a person who can't find meaning. Show me a person who is wandering and lost in themselves. And show me a person who's seen the face of God in the midst of that. Now show you a person who is blessed. For us as God's people, the blessing comes when we're lost. The blessing of this word comes when it brings us life. And so our duty before God is to take this word, to enjoy this word, and to walk with him. This is authoritative. This will teach you the way to go. This will give you the path. Rejoice in what God has done. But the second thing about this psalm in general and in verse 1 through 8 is that we can't simply be people who hear and listen to God's word. But as we see in James, we have to be doers of God's word. It's not simply about listening to wonderful stories and being impacted by it, but it's actually going out and living that life that allows us to change. It does no good for, for any of us to simply hear and listen to this message or to read God's word, but then not to do anything about it. We believe that if, if we follow God's word, we change. We believe that if we follow God's word, he reveals himself to us. 
many of us love, um, you know, if you, if you ever watch, I don't know if people watch late night TV anymore. I don't even think there's such a thing. But there used to be all these infomercials. And infomercials about how to get fit. Or infomercials about how to eat well. Um, back in the, I think about 10, 15 years ago, like the whole P90X craze was, was everywhere. And everyone, including me, tried P90X. Um, nowadays, there's every type of diet in the world, right? There's people who will say all protein, people say no protein, people say intermittent fasting, people say no, 12 meals a day, and it's just, just, just everywhere, right? And, and all of this advice and all of this talking and speaking, some of this might work, some of this might not, but we all understand something. If you don't do anything, nothing changes. If you don't exercise, no matter what exercise you choose, nothing changes. If you don't choose to eat well, no matter what diet you choose, you, you don't change. You are like one of those people who love watching exercise videos and then go, wow, that was good. <laughs> or you watch uh, you know, someone eat food and you go, wow, that was good. But what good does it do your health? None. God's word's the same thing. This is not simply a list of platitudes and sayings and good stories for us to listen to and go, that was great, that was nice. I really like that. Next story, next video. Oh wow, that Jesus, what a great character. Oh, that's nice. Great story. Oh, I really like that, that, that song that we read. It really speaks to my heart. And, well, I feel really good. I do nothing about it. You know what happens to, to us if we do that? You, you stop actually reading this. Because if it's not authoritative, if it's simply not a book of platitudes, why should I choose this one when I can choose another one? Why should I choose hearing the same thing over and over and over again when I can listen to a podcast that has new quips? And then the word of God ceases to be the word of God. For believers today, I believe that's the number one reason why many of you have stopped reading God's word. You've forgotten how authoritative it is. You've forgotten that if you follow it, God reveals himself to you. You've forgotten that the simple gospel preached over and over and over again is more powerful than any new proverb or platitude that your favorite podcast personality can pen. And if you do that over and over, you will stop reading this. The word of God, the way um, C.S. Lewis says it, the word of God is like having that old comfortable shoe. 
something you've broken in, something you wore lots of times, and it's just dependable. You, your feet go in, and it just it's, it's, it, 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 it shapes around your feet perfectly, and when you walk, you walk comfortably, and you know where it's going to take you. But oftentimes, people just want new shoes. But these new shoes can never take you where the Lord has taken you. My charge to all of you is don't simply be hearers of God's words, but, but, but be, be doers. Now, for those of you who are still wrestling with Christianity, you're wrestling with, with uh, is, is this Jesus thing really real? Uh, I would urge you to do just one thing, actually one thing with two parts. One, read the Gospel of Mark. Just read it, just read it. If you don't know where it is, I'm sure your friends can find it for you. Read the Gospel of Mark. Number two, test it by doing what, he te- what Jesus tells you to do. There's no harm. But if Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, if the Bible really is what it says it is, the very spoken words of God to instruct us, and if we read and actually do what it says, and God promised us that he'll reveal himself to us when we do what he says, we have nothing to lose. And for my brothers and sisters, maybe some of us need to do that as well. What's the worst that could happen? People make fun of you for our month. What's the worst that can happen? People look at you like, that's uncool. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that could happen? I believe you will find your God. You will find purpose. You will find what God has made you to be. We as God's people cannot simply read without doing we must continue to do lastly this word of God as I said at the beginning has one purpose its theme is paramountly fixed on one figure and that's why we're here today and that figure is of course Jesus Christ This book explains to us why Jesus came. And this book explains to us, in light of his coming, what we should do. And this book explains to us that in him, in him, we can have salvation. Salvation, not only eternal life, but salvation of of the fullness of what God wants to give us here. In John chapter 1, the gospel writer says, the word became flesh. And we believe that Jesus Christ, when he came with his actions and his words, that he was the final word of God. He was God's word spoken incarnate here. He's the one who, as he came, when he came to give the good news that I've come to bring God's kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. That when he went from town to town, he was telling people, one day you'll understand 
that when I die when I, and when God raises me from the dead, that means all of you, your guilt, your sin has been taken away. That by resurrection, that you have life and life fullness, life to its full, death I have conquered. And that all of you just come and believe in me. And so I ask of you, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Think of it this way. Many of you are still young enough. Think of this as a startup for your life. You know, when you're young, and I'll say this to all of you, I'll say, when you're young, go ahead and try your own business. Go ahead and fail. It's okay. You're still young. No one's going to look at you and go, what's wrong with you? It's not the culture we live in. It's cool to have a startup. It's cool to work for a startup. It's cool to say, hey, I work for three startups and we all fail. It's, it's cool to do that. You still live, right, through it. You can still eat. You still have shelter. My challenge to you is this is something greater and bigger. Say to yourself, for this next six months to a year, a new startup in my life. If this works out, and I know it will, then I'll have the best story to tell. Go and read your Go and read scripture. Go and trust Jesus. Go and change your life. And God promise you that he will show himself to you. So let's do it. Let's be doers of God's word. And let's rejoice in him. Let's pray.